Welcome, my friends, to Next Level Change Success, a change conversation for leaders, project and change practitioners for today and tomorrow. My name is Therese Perez of MyVirtualChangeManager.com and I'm an experienced change and project professional and people leader with many years of experience in the industry. I love business and I love the people side of business especially. So nothing lights me up more than seeing people use change management, project management and strong change leadership to engage, motivate and inspire people and ultimately transform organisations. If you've heard about change management and have no idea of what it involves, then you're in the right place. If you know about change management, but you want to take your practices to the next level, then this is where you should be. I'm going to share the stories of my experiences, interview some fantastic people, and I'm going to explore all of the challenges and opportunities that you face in organizations right now. So please join me and let's go and have some fun. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Next Level Change Success. My name is Therese Perez, and I am the founder of MyVirtualChangeManager.com, and I would like to acknowledge that I am recording on Thoroughwell Country today and pay my respects to the traditional owners and custodians on the land on which I am recording and elders both past, present, and emerging. So today, we're chatting about behavioral change. This is something that's quite topical because people know that regardless of what you communicate to people it's how you influence their behavior and how you can nudge them towards that future state which makes all the difference there's a few techniques that i will talk about today or interventions or approaches that i've taken in the past when looking at behavioral change i think when looking at culture change this is quite important as well because We often look at values, the value set within organizations and the behaviors that are associated with those values. I can say that in my prior working life in one of the uh, organizations I worked in, they did this particularly well around behavioral alignment from values, outlining the behaviors. And this was in the late 90s, in fact, that this organization was talking about this breaking down values around acceptable behaviors or you know, desirable behaviors. And we're measuring those and the customer sentiment in line with those values as well had a real positive effect on performance. And it was the first time I'd seen that type of framework and one that I think all organizations would benefit from. What are the core values we have? What are the key behaviors? And sometimes people can over-engineer this. So you really only want one key behavior aligned to a value what's the one key behavior that we would see and then over 12 months really focus on that so if you had four maybe five values in your core values in your organization what's the one behavior for each of those values and then measuring that internally around a sentiment and externally with your customers are we displaying those values through the services we provide? Are we displaying those values in the day-to-day interactions we have with our customers, whether they be internal or external? And really that simple framework does a couple of things. One is there's clarity. And I think this is where most organizations actually come unstuck. So also if you're introducing a change, you want to be clear about what does it look like from a behavioral perspective. What would I experience, for example, in a meeting if we were going to have effective meetings? What would that look like? 
what does respectful behavior look like in an organization in between teams? If you're looking to break down silos, well, what would that look like to people when it came to behaviors around how they ran projects, for example? And of course, you have so many multifaceted lenses to look at this through when you're introducing those values across the organization, which is often why you have the core set, say the core five values, core five behaviors that we want to see day to day in our organization, whether you're interacting with customers externally or internally, whether you're interacting with suppliers, whether you're interacting with any external stakeholder or internal stakeholder, and then as part of the rollout of those values and behaviors is I also want you at your department level or your team level to describe a a way in which you can say that we're living this value. That also lines up with the, the central focus on behaviors. And then if you're going to be really clever about this, you're going to measure it even at a team level, get feedback from your stakeholders. Are we living these core values day to day? Give us your feedback. And this is one of the scary parts, right, of behavioral change. Or even if you're introducing change where you want behaviors to be measured as an outcome so that you know, you know, if these behaviors are being displayed, then the outcomes will be achieved. So behaviors are like the lever in which the outcomes come to life. So you do need to join those dots for people. This is the intent. So if you think about a particular change, this is the intent of the change. These is the resulting behaviors as part of that. This is the behaviors we would expect. This is what it would look like. And then as part of that, then this is the outcomes that we would achieve as a result of that. And all of these little steps and behaviors, some, some of the small changes that happen result in the positive and the tracking of outcomes. And the step in there is around feedback. So as I mentioned at the beginning, as far as the organization that I worked for, There were measures internal and external around advocacy. Would I tell my family and friends to do business with this organization? Now, if all of those value indicators were lining up, that was oftentimes very positive as an advocacy measure. Uh, If those values weren't, then of course that advocacy measure wouldn't be evident. So it's kind of an outcome of the, the yes, I'm displaying the right behaviors there's consistency what are the type of techniques that you can introduce if you're looking at a a need for a behavioral change and all change requires behavior change but there's a few things that you can do the concept of association so if you're looking at processes and you're changing processes in an organization you need to have a look at the context in which these processes are upgrading the technology, integrating it into a single sign-on, for example. Typically, I would sit at my desk and I would log in once. Then I'd be clicking on an application. I'd be logging in again because it had multiple authentications I needed to complete. And then another application and another application. Now, if you're working on a single sign-on change initiative, what you would be referencing is you used to have to provide your password into each application and you may have had different passwords for each application well now you go to this new application and you enter your password at the beginning of the day once and that that authentication process you only need to do once and then you have access to 
your entire desktop and apps and no need to sign on again. Now, the referencing you're going to have is at the beginning of the day. So you're going to contextualize that interaction. And I think sometimes that's where the change intervention can be a little bit underdone. If you want to nudge on behavior and you want to make sure that people sign on at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, log off and lock your computer, then you really want to reference the time of the day. You might also look at having some sort of catchphrase about tap in, log on. So you're tapping into the front door of the organization, you log on and then log out, tap out at the end of the day. And oftentimes little catchphrases or little um, calls to action are what's effective around an organization when you're rolling out something new. I worked on an initiative around the uh, booking of meeting rooms and the need to tap on so that your meeting was confirmed so that you could use the meeting room. And if you didn't use your pass card, you would book obviously the meeting room on Outlook. But if you didn't tap on to the panel outside the meeting room, if you have this type of technology, you'll be aware of it. But if you didn't say confirm within 15 minutes of that meeting commencing, you would lose that room booking. And so there was very much catchphrase of tap on, tap off. And that's because within the, the broader landscape within Australia, there is the tap on catchphrase that you use for jumping on public transport. So you can also leverage those type of catchphrases so that people know to tap and that type of behavioral campaigning uh, really does work well. The important part of course for all behavioral change is reinforcement because you often see a peak obviously at a go live or a launch but then you need to also accommodate for new starters. You need to consider about how you're communicating the message to people who are just joining the organization so that they know what the behavioral norm is and if you're catchphrase goes viral enough people will know your organization for certain things or it could be something internally that after a while you just hear everyone talking about it does make it harder though if you need to make a change again so if you needed to change if you're about to change all the technology and you have very much a a strong campaign or ethos in the dna of the organization about a prior change it can make it a little bit challenging but perhaps you can change the catchphrase a little bit, still leverage the existing one or make a play on it, you know, the Apple 2.0 type of conversation and make sure that you can shift that behavioral change just a little bit. The other thing in relation to behavioral change is knowing that email communication doesn't do it. And so you really do want to make sure that there's multi-layered reinforcement, that you have people talking about it, you have people seeing it, you have people experiencing it. And when people experience it, I mean, you know, you could have a refurb. So you want people to have a look at what do the lockers look like? What does the layout look like? You might want to have people observe the new process because what we're doing is setting up a little hub in the kitchen area for anyone who wants to see what this new process looks like. You might want to do a showcase so that people can see it. You might want to ask people to come and actually undertake the new process on that testing system. That helps people adopt the change. They understand it and they experience it. People having an experience of it is what makes an impact and it has them remember it. People could tell me what to do and I know this in a personal level. People can describe to me instructions but it's as I'm doing it that I need support to get it done if it's something new to me. 
And we all go through that learning curve of the unconscious incompetence. So if you haven't seen that model, jump onto myvirtualchangemanager.com. It'll be on the article about behavior change. So I, I don't know what I don't know. And then I kind of know. Um, so I'm a bit well, conscious about it, but I'm still incompetent. And then I become consciously competent. And then I become unconsciously competent. So it's the learning curve for the individual. And you need to acknowledge that behavioral change is a reflection of that learning curve. After a while, it becomes autopilot. The other thing to keep doing is understanding the motivation of people and what motivates them. Is there passion about customers or is there passion about getting paid? So you need to accommodate, I guess, those different lenses when it comes to looking at behavioral change, but knowing that purpose is always a driver for people to change more than pay. It only ever has a short-term motivation factor. And if you've ever seen uh, Dan Pink's YouTube clip or YouTube cartoon clip about motivation and how it works, you will see that passion and purpose is always a more longer term driver. And that gives you a hint around what you should focus your project or program communication about around the vision of the organization, the why, and what's going to have most of those individuals have it really resonate with them as to why they're going to stick at it. The other thing about behavioral change is that sometimes forced behavioral change. So for example, everyone having to go online during the pandemic, it was the world's largest forced change during the pandemic that if people wanted to retain their jobs, they needed to figure out this thing being the internet of things, the web of things, make sure that they could log on to virtual webinars and participate virtually with their colleagues. Now, years ago, if there had have been a, an opt-in change, there would have been so much noise about, I don't think people will do it. So there is something about being able to burn a bridge behind people or force people through a change, which does mean that they have no other choice but to adopt it or to entirely opt out of your organization because that's the way you're headed. Now, to be fair to people, there's people don't know their own potential. And so, but the fear that sits with people through that behavioral change would have been high. The stress points would have been off the Richter for people who may have struggled with technology beforehand. And so you do need to provide additional supports, but you can remove the, there's no going back. You can certainly say, well, we're only going forward with this. I'm not going to make this other system available for more than two weeks after we go live. And they're choices that you can make to force people to walk over that bridge. But I do say, make sure that you put the right supports in place because that's the respectful thing to do. I think that's the powerful thing to do. And I think that's the most effective thing to do to get the best outcome for everyone. You don't want to lose talent because you are bludgeoning people with change. You want to ensure that you can support, reinforce and create behavioral change in a really positive way. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it's giving you some hints and tips around behavioral change. Remember motivations. Think about how you can catchphrase things. Think about how you can associate the change or the behavioral change with things in the everyday so that people can really adopt it well and understand what it is. 
showcase let people have an experience of the change before you introduce it completely and make sure you have supports in place and if you enjoyed this episode or it gave you some hints and tips that you value if you know of anyone else who is looking for a podcast like this or isn't across change but is interested in it then feel free to recommend this podcast provide feedback share it with your friends share it with your family and your colleagues and visit us at myvirtualchangemanager.com. We have lots of tools, tips, resources that you may want to leverage. And I hope you have a fantastic day.